Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Executive Presence Morsels Special Book Edition. Today we have a super special guest. I'm so excited. Known Mario for, for many years and his new book, which is coming out, really care for them. Read it cover to cover. Amazing. You're going to want to check out this book. And we're so lucky to have the author here today to tell us a little bit more about how he came up with the concept and some of the concepts. So real quick, Mario, he's the revenue leader at Move Medical, where he leads the sales, marketing, and customer success efforts. And he's well known on LinkedIn for his very engaging posts uh, and his writing style. And that's initially what brought us together many years ago when he appeared on one of my podcasts to talk about sales. And I think that was in 2018, right, Mario? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be here. But yeah, I think we connected virtually in 2018, but we were connected before that. Just I think our podcast was 2018. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Awesome. Well, your book, one thing that I loved about it is as I read it, it's not just for salespeople right? You are, are a sales leader, sales trainer, but you're also very active in terms of leadership principles and sharing those things. And anyone who knows you, you know, that would be readily apparent. So I've read a lot of sales books because a few years ago, um, I got more interested in sales. I'm not a sales guy. I'm a lawyer. Um, but <laughs> the process to me is, is very interesting. And there's typical types of sales books, right? There's like the sales allegory book, right? You're, you're familiar with all this. There's that. And then there's the step-by-step strategy guide, right? Like this is what you need to do. And then this is why, um, yours isn't either of those. And I quite enjoyed that as a non-technical salesperson. To me, it was more, um, a series of reflections that work to really powerfully shift your mindset in the right direction to make you more successful in selling. So tell us a little bit about the format of the book and and how you ended up there, because it is quite unique. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's so many sales books out there. I've read over 300 sales books and and you never know where to start because you're like, okay, I need to learn this skill. So you go find a specific book for that skill, but then you're like, oh, I want to learn this. And you never know what you're going to get and you never know what to expect. So the initial idea was, I just wanted a book that if I was starting my sales career or even now 10 years, 15 years into my sales career, I just wanted a book that would help me. That was something I could use and that would help me. And so that's kind of how the foundation started. But then after talking with lots of sales reps, I found out that less than 10% of all sales reps actually read sales books. What? (laughs) So it was kind of like, wait, there's a huge industry, huge market, but nobody's sales reps aren't reading sales managers read. Maybe that's why they got promoted. Right. Okay. And then they try to train their staff, but the sales reps themselves aren't reading books. So I wrote it in a way for people that don't like to read. So it's like a gateway book almost. I hope it inspires them to read other books because Mm -hmm. nothing goes in super in depth in it, but it gives a kind of a good foundation of everything you need to know to kind of be successful in sales. And obviously, yeah, that starts with your mindset for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, what I love about it is it's very um, principles-based, right? So it's not like, oh, you have this specific situation. It's like, this is how you want to think about it, or here's a reframing that you may want to do. Um, that I think people who, who do this normally, it'll resonate with them and make sense. Yeah, no, you, you, you hit us spot on when, and I think it's basically, basically how I grew up in my sales career is whenever they would tell me exactly how to do something, it felt like no matter how many times I practiced, I couldn't get it right. But if they would say, hey, when you're in this type of situation, then kind of approach it from this angle, then I could put my own spin on it, then I could make it work and it always worked much better. So that's kind of how, this book was written too. It was, it was written in short, memorable ideas that say, hey, if you reframe it to your own perspective while thinking about someone else, you'll probably be able to help them and you'll find the best way to do it yourself. Yeah. The, the other thing I really loved about it is, um, you know, when I think about sales, I think about it in the context of, of just influence and, and getting buy-in for anything you do because we're all selling ourselves in, in a way, yeah. our ideas, if, if, if not our work. Um, so that's more useful to me than, you know, when you schedule an RFP or head to a customer, you know, site, consider this or be dressed this, <laughs> like, like that doesn't really have much to do with my day to day. But if you say, you know, when you're sensing resistance, here's something you need to look for. Well, that could apply to so many things that, that I do. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's very true too. So that's actually the subtitle of this book is how anybody can sell anything to anyone is kind of like the gist of it where everybody is in sales. And I started really thinking about this when I got into leadership roles. It started dawning on me that all leadership is in a way is just sales. That's all mm -hmm. it is. Sales is leadership. Leadership is sales. And I thought, wow, so it's the same principles if you think about the other person, if you care about them and do what's in their best interest and help them see a new perspective, then you're more likely to get buy-in. And that goes with anything, being a parent, being a coach, anything you have to do, it's sales. And so this book was written for everybody. And one of my favorite reviews, somebody wrote that they think this book is a philosophy book disguised as a sales book wrapped up as a self-help book. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. I guess kind of that was my mindset all along, but I didn't put it in those words, right? So, but yeah, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point, Mario. And if I think of people that I know who are quite successful at the leadership levels, um, they are quite persuasive and they know how to get budget. They know how to get what they want. They know when there's a conflict, they know how to navigate through it. Now, styles may differ, but they know how to come out on the right side of that. And that's a large reason why they're there, not because they're handsome or good looking and not because, I don't know, they're, they're someone's uncle. I mean, for the people who have to survive on their, on their wits and, and their efforts, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's, I want to talk a little bit about some of the concepts and principles you have, things that just resonated to me. There are so many principles in there. We obviously can't cover all of them. Um, but one thing that, and, and it's in the title of your book that really resonated with me, you talk about how, um, you talk about the role that caring plays in creating results. And most people, when they think of a sales book, right, they're going to think like, oh, you know, offer them some water because they will reciprocate, you know, like it seems much more like manipulative, but that's not your approach. You really 
really deeply think about how caring is sort of unlocks the key in terms of that relationship in the sales. So talk to us a little bit more about your philosophy and, and your thoughts there, because because I just that really resonated with me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the whole premise is you don't want to manipulate anybody ever because that always leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth. It doesn't build long-term relationships. It's just, it's not good. But how do you get over that where there's kind of a conundrum where you have a goal where you need to sell something, Mm -hmm. your paycheck depends on it and they have to buy something and they want to buy something and they have to do it at the lowest price possible as a negotiation. There's all these different, I guess you could say competing objectives. But at the end of the day, if you actually cared about what's best for the other person, then there's no competing objectives whatsoever. You're going to do what's in their best interest because at the end, that's going to be in your best interest. And when you actually care about the person, you don't have to be told every step of the way what to do. You'll know if someone is thirsty and if they need a drink of water because you can tell they're thirsty. You're not going to be manipulative giving them a drink of water so they reciprocate a kind action. You're Mm -hmm. giving them a drink of water because you can tell they're thirsty. So while the action might be the same, the intent behind it is different and that intent can be felt. And I really believe that. I believe people can feel the other side's intentions over time. And if they can feel that you want to help them, they're much more likely to buy from you. Yeah. And, and I think that's such a great point because uh, myself as someone who I don't consider myself a savvy salesperson, I can feel it. Like if I'm talking to someone and they're using that kind of manipulative way of sales, it's, it's, it's almost like as human beings, like, like the spidey sense goes off. Like, like we know yeah. that it's not sincere. So someone yeah. who's like a procurement person or in charge of budget, like they can really, really yeah. tell. I mean, you're not getting anything over that. Yeah, for sure. That's why we have procurement departments. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're so, needed. Well, one of the other things I really like that you talked about is this concept of um, giving and, and, and always helping. And, and you talk about two ways to help people. One, give them what they want and need. And two, to show kindness. Um, and that really uh, resonated with me as well and, and maybe isn't something that people typically might see um, in a sales book. Talk to us a little bit about maybe when you realize perhaps in your own career that, that this was a very powerful kind of human sort of concept. Well, because people always remember how they felt when they were around you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and this, the second part of it, showing kindness is especially true when you're losing a sale or when you don't make the deal or when you lost the business, they'll remember how they felt about you and you don't know what's going to happen. I've had so many clients come back two to three years later and say, hey, we know we didn't choose you the first time, but I think we're ready now. And yeah. if, if when you leave a bad taste in someone's mouth, when you're not kind to them, they can tell and they'll never come back. Right. And so that kindness is it's it's a it's a strategy, but it's also just the right thing to do because you feel better Then you don't afterward feel bad either. And then the first part of giving them what they want and need often that's the same thing, but often it's not the same thing at all. Mm. Lots of times clients will say they want something, but they actually need something else. And you as an expert might know that, but if you tell them, Hey, you don't want this, you actually want this. They're gonna say, no, 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 no. I want this. And so they don't like being told they're wrong. Nobody likes being told their baby's ugly, right? All these things. (laughs) So you have to find the best way to give them what they want. So eventually you can help educate them to the point where they get what they need. And it might be at the same time, but it might be months apart, years apart. It just depends. And if you can find a way to do both, you'll always be successful. It's when you 
are so stuck in one way or the other that that's kind of when you find impasses. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense just from a, from a, just a professional point of view that when you get stuck on a formula or an algorithm, a lot of times you just start to, to, to execute on that and you lose the sensitivity of, of what's really going on and you actually lose a lot of value because someone could be saying, hey, I need this right here. But you're like, oh, no, no I'm not at that step yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I can't send you that document till after we've had our third meeting, right? Yes, like yes. all that kind of garbage <laughs> that is on all the sales books. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So um, just to share that, you know, there is some quite good tactical uh, material in your book as well. It's, it's, it's not just, you know, philosophical. And one thing that really yeah. resonated to me um, was this whole concept of your value statement, right? Nothing's more tactical than going in there, like, you know, with with your value statement. I love the way you, the way you broke it down, the structure being the character, the problem, solution, plan, and results. So so maybe can you share with us a little bit more about why that's important and and how it can be very effective? Yeah. the, The value statement isn't about what your company does necessarily. It's about what the person you're talking to their current situation, their current life, their current problem, and what they're facing. And then if they decide to partner with you, what their future life could be. And so, yes, you are putting yourself in there, but you're not the hero, right? The hero is the client and their results. That's the hero. That's the the win. Whereas you just happen to be there to help guide them along. And so the characters, obviously, let's say you're a leader and you have someone who is making wrong choices by, let's say, they're not being a team player and taking all the credit for themselves on every project, right? Mm -hmm. And so the problem is this person isn't having good teamwork skills. So that the problem is that nobody likes to work with them. So if you have a person that's the characters, the person you're leading, the problem is nobody likes to work with them, right? And so then the solution could be to be more collaborative in, uh, in a meeting. And the way to do that could be that Hey, ask questions. And then when products are finalized, put everybody's name on the work. And then say, and if that happens and you say the result, then you'll have everybody wanting to work with you and you'll get your work done way faster. And so you just have to position it in a way that makes them understand, oh, that's me. And I resonate with that. And if you can do that in any situation, they say, oh, yeah, that is me. I have this problem and I want it to be this. Then they're more likely to connect with you. And then everything after that can be a conversation. But if you know what the value you bring is and paint it in a story for them, then everything else becomes a lot easier. Yeah, it really um, is amazing to me how many, even quite experienced professionals have a lot of difficulty articulating the value they provide. They can tell you what they do. Yeah, yeah. They can tell you a lot about the stuff, the mechanics of it, but they can't really communicate in a succinct way uh, the value of what they provide. And that's kind of a problem. It is, yeah. It's huge in sales for sure. Like if you can't explain the value, then... It's hard to get anybody to do business with you, but it's true in leadership and parenting, especially with my kids, trying to get them to understand the value of making certain choices over other choices is a daily battle, right? And you have to figure it out. It's just something that you're going to have to figure out. And usually you figure it out by talking to them more, not less, by talking to your clients even more or existing clients, existing partners, people that have used it in the past to figure out how, okay, how can I share that message with somebody else? Yeah. And just to give an example with your uh, indulgence, Mario, um, I did use your formula to try to think about 
what I do, like, like my okay. business. And it was brilliant. Right. So yeah, normally yeah. someone might ask you, you know, Hey Joe, what do you do? And I say, Oh, you know, I teach executive presence and I do this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I came up just a draft. I'm still working okay. on it using your formula. Yeah. The character is organizations that care about advancing diversity right? That's the hero, okay. right? That's my client, yeah. right? Yeah. Those organizations, not the ones who don't care, but the ones who really care about diversity and advancing, you know, the, uh, their people. Yeah. They may be, the problem is they're struggling to realize the benefits of their increasingly diverse population. They get people in, but the people don't stay or they don't move up. So there's oh, a problem. Okay. So, so, so yeah. the numbers at the bottom are good, but you'll see it, the transparency reports as they go up, they get worse and worse, right? So that's the okay. problem. Okay. So the solution is to provide an approach that helps those people who come in maximize their performance with skills of connection. So they bridge the gap, not to their skills, but to how people perceive their skills because they're different than normal leaders. Yeah. And the plan is to improve not just the number of diverse employees, but create a stronger connection of those employees to the organization and the results is better collaboration, performance, and profits. It's not about ESG or diversity metrics. It's about excellence in performance. That's the awesome. point. Much more powerful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And you, when you say that to someone, they'll be like, yeah, I want to be an organization that I care. I care. I care about these results. Yeah, I connect with that. We have all these people coming in, but our diversity numbers are going down. But, oh, if I had a structured plan that Joe Kwan created, I'll be able to get those results. Okay, let's do that structured plan. Let's figure that. Let's figure out how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's great. So um, another thing that uh, you talk about, which really resonated with me, um, and and similar to a book that I read about it, I'm sure you you read it as well. The um, I think it's called the Challenger. Or the 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 oh, challenge. yeah, yeah, Challenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I love how you talk about um, you're asking, not telling but you do that with insight and challenge. Like you're not asking just to get people to talk, to engage with you. You're actually asking so you can deliver the insights and if necessary, like sort of the challenges to how they're sabotaging themselves. So can you talk yeah. to us a little bit more about those concepts? Because I think most people, when they ask questions, it's just like level one. Like they're, they don't really understand why they're asking the question. Yeah, yeah or, or even worse. So that's bad. Asking questions just to talk is bad. But asking questions to manipulate people is even worse. Mm. The best questions cause the other person to think and to be presented with ideas they hadn't thought about before. So if you already know the answer to a question you're asking, then either like you're an attorney, right, in a courtroom, Mm -hmm. or you're manipulating someone, one or the Mm. other. So when you're asking questions, it shouldn't necessarily, depending on the type of question, there's all different types of questions. There's discovery questions. There's all these different types of questions. But when we're talking about these challenging questions, it's to get your partner or future partner or colleague or person you're selling to, to think in a way that they hadn't thought of before, which then then opens their mind to the world of possibilities of what could be. So once you challenge them to think in a new way with the question, then you can provide insights that they're open to receive because now they're thinking in a new way. If they're still thinking in the old way, they're not going to be open to new information. So they have to first be, oh, I haven't thought about it that way. That is a good point. Well, how would, and then they even come back and ask you, well, how do you guys solve this then? So it just depends on your intent with the question. The worst is when you try to manipulate someone into getting to a yes or getting to a specific answer by tricking them into saying things that would say, oh, well, of course you need my help because you had all these problems. 
No, the point is to get them to think about their problems in a way that they haven't thought about them before. And then they're open to the insights that you have from all your experience and knowledge and your, in, your clients that you can bring to them and say, hey, this is a new way to think about this problem. Yeah, and, and as you're sharing that approach, I often think about how when you're doing all those things you're talking about and understanding people and connecting and asking the right questions, it's almost as if the person you're, that you're trying to move becomes quite light, right? It, it, it's very easy to move them. There's no resistance because you're moving exactly in the way that they would want to move for themselves in a way. It's yeah, almost like you're walking exactly. together as opposed to pulling or pushing. Them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few books out there that are, that do that very well. Like Ian Altman's same side selling, where instead of being on the opposite side, you get on the same side of the table with them. Like there's lots of ways to get to that place. And yeah, it starts with your intent for sure. So let me ask you, um, Mario, to get your sort of expertise on this. Um, you know, one issue that I always think about is there are so many people, especially kind of mid-level professionals who are just really, really wicked good at their job, right? They know all the requirements. They have tons of experience, but they're, they get stuck. You know, they're, they're not good at going beyond the doing to the influence, to the yeah. management, to taking things where you're at the next level. So in, in your world, right, there could be someone who's great as an individual sales performer, but you put them in a sales manager position and it's, and, and it's like a disaster. Exactly. So would really love to get your perspective on how, how you've seen people successfully make that shift from being a, a, a subject matter expert to someone who's really more of a, a leader. I think it goes back to kind of two main things. So the first is actually in the title of the book. You have to start caring about what the other people care about. You can't care about what you care about only. So if you want to be a leader of a team, your problems have to be the team's problems, not your own personal problems. And that's where individual performers are really good. They're really good at solving their own problems. That's mm -hmm. why they perform well. But you have to start helping other people solve their problems so you're seen as a leader. But even more importantly, in corporate America, at least, you have to find out who has the ability to promote you and start solving their problems, not just what you're assigned to do, but find ways to help them solve their problems. And that's all yeah. about caring about them. And you don't do it for a selfish reason. You do it because you actually care about them and they'll yeah. feel that care. And then you solve it. And then kind of the, the second area where it's not just caring about them you actually then have to be known. You have yeah. to allow yourself to be out there and to say people can recognize you. If you're always hiding in your cubicle doing great work, you're, you're not, it's, it's hard to get promoted in today's corporate America, especially when we all work from home or a lot of people work from home or you work from home part-time. It's just harder to be known. So you actually have to talk to more people and let them know you're helping in a, in a, in a good way. So it's hard yeah. to do, but it's something that has to be done. I mean, I, I think that advice is spot on. I, I often, you know, when people ask me about it, I ask, you know, I ask them back, who's going to be in that room deciding who gets the next promotion, right? Do you, first of all, do you even know <laughs> who's going to be in the room? Because if you don't, you got nothing, right? Yeah, like you're exactly. just praying at this point, right? Prayers, yeah, exactly. good, but come on, you know? Yeah. So you don't even know who's in the room. And then kind of dovetailing into what you're saying um, that person who's in the room, do they even know who you are? 
Like, like yeah. if they say, Hey, Mario's up, like your boss is, you know, my guy, Mario's up for promotion. They say, who's Mario. Yeah. Right. Like that's not good when the other people in the room, like who aren't your boss, who also weigh in on who's getting promoted, they want their own people promoted. They don't know Mario from a hole in the wall. And then, you know, the real magic is the point you made where if you've been solving those people's problems and it wasn't your job, it's your, it's your job to solve your boss's problems, but you're taking some time to solve these people's problems too, or at least help them along. They're like, well, we got to give it to Mario, right? It's, it's like a slam dunk at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and you do the same thing in a normal sales situation too, where you're helping them solve their problems even before they're your client. And that's where that real magic comes in. You don't just wait until there's a signed contract. You find ways to help them as soon as you possibly can. And that's where insights come in. That's where sharing all the knowledge, don't hiding things back, not waiting till the fifth call to send a, a document that could help them today, right? There's lots of ways to help before you're required to help. And that's how you get leadership positions as well. So let me ask you a random question in, in, in sort of the sales industry. Um, not scientific, obviously, but what percentage <laughs> of salespeople, if we just lump them all in, right? Yeah, but yeah. like, like business salespeople, let's say, I'm not talking about, you know, retail, right? But like okay. business salespeople, the, the type of people that you deal with, what percentage would you say actually get this versus they're still tied to these processes, these gimmicks, these, these tricks? So I would say the 80-20 rule is very prevalent. I would say it's about 20% probably, but I don't think it's their fault necessarily. Okay. okay. I think because that's how they're trained, yeah. And that's what they're taught to do. And they're just trying their best. And they haven't even necessarily been given the chance to think outside the box. And maybe their personality doesn't allow them to think outside the box. But if they were given the freedom or told what to do in a different way, they might do it better. And that's not an excuse or a victim. But at the same time, there's reasons why people do things a certain way because they're taught to. And so mm. they were taught to behave this way. Yeah, I mean, that resonates so much. And, and in the sales books that I've read or business books where, you know, they always have an anecdote about someone who, you know, was struggling and then they, they figured something out and then all of a sudden they became the top salesperson. Yeah, yeah. Like they always like did something different that resonated with them. It wasn't that they applied the existing formula better. Like they figured something out. They're like, wait a second if I do this, I'll be more consistent or, you know, people will take more yeah. of my calls. And, and that was like the thing that unleashed everything for them. Yeah. And it's very personal and it changes all the time too. It might work for you for the next six months, but then you get into a slump again and you have to figure something else out. So it's, it's, it's all, you, you should always be evolving. And that's why when I wrote the book, I wrote it in a way that there's places things to learn at every stage in your career that you might've already learned once, but you need to relearn it or something that's brand new, but either way, it's not going to not help you by reading it. Now, um, I think part of why, you know, the things that you talk about resonate um, so much with me is, is they align a lot with a lot of the Aikido principles and kind of that harmony uh, concept. And you shared something about having an outward mindset and, and you, you quote the Arbinger Institute. And I, and I really yeah. love this. I just want to share this with people because it's so powerful. So number one, see the needs of others. And we've been talking about that, right? Like see what people actually need too. And this is actually kind of magical. I think you might agree. Adjust your actions to match those needs, right? Instead of trying to push them to where you want. And then three, 
you know, report, which is hold yourself accountable for your actions, your relationships, and especially for your thoughts and behavior. And that's something I think most people, and I'm not just talking about sales, it could be parents, it could be friends, we just don't get. We want to make people do what we want them to do. We <laughs> don't want to change ourselves exactly. at all, right? Yeah. It's so hard to not try to change other people. It's, it's one of the hardest things probably to do in the world. And that's why relationships fail is you want the other person to change or you expect them to adjust their feelings or their beliefs. When the only thing, and Stephen Covey talks about this too, right? The only thing you can control is what you can control, your circle of influence. But even Stephen Covey and the Arbinger Institute, they got their initial work from a German philosopher named Martin Buber. And Martin Buber, he talked about I them versus I thou, which basically means you see people either as people or you see them as objects. Oh, and I like it. Everything is the foundation of that. Everything you do, if you want someone else to change, they're an object. If you see yeah. them as people, then that means their needs and wants are equal to yours. They're not better than you. You're not putting them on a pedestal. They're not worse than yours though, but their needs and wants are as valid as yours. So that way, the only thing you should even focus on are changing your ideas and your beliefs and your actions, depending on what you want the result to be. Yeah. Well, you know, th that makes so much sense to me from like an Aikido as well as from a, a, a sort of a philosophical or psychological aspect and and kind of the approach I always tell people is when you are genuinely connected to someone it's it's like the two gears are enmeshed right so two things happen one when you turn yourself they naturally turn that's exactly what you're talking about right like you change your action and they're going to respond to that right so if you don't yeah. like the way they're turning maybe you start to turn a different way but it's a double edged sword once you're connected to someone, you will also, by definition, be responsive to how they're moving. You have to be because you're connected and you're, yeah. you're together. You're yourself, right? Because it's two yeah. gears, but now you are, you are connected. You don't get to just change people and get it your way. You have to respond to them the same way they respond to you. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, that's very good. All right. Well, this has been amazing, Mario. I want to ask you one last question because I know how much you've been writing and, and working over the years. What did you discover as you were going through this process? Because I know you, you've been blogging and you've been very active, but writing a book, it's, it's different. Um, and I saw you referenced a lot of your idols and, and, and people that you've learned from. So maybe share a little bit about how doing this transformed you and, and maybe some, some insights you might've gained through the process. Well, I think the biggest thing as far as insights is I had to really figure out what was important to me because you can't put everything that you've ever learned into a book and make it even remotely accessible. Yeah. Right. So the main thing was, I think I really had to figure out, okay, what's the most important to me? And also what's most important since this book was specifically for a sales purpose, what would be the most important things for somebody who's in sales to understand and know and help them the most. And so it really helped me evaluate my beliefs again, right. And value, evaluate what are my principles and what do I care about and what do I want to share with people? And then doing that wasn't always easy because it's a lot more cutting than you would like for sure. Yeah. And so this making those cutting decisions, it feels like you're cutting off a piece of your body or your soul. It's like, Hey, I like that, but it's not, I can't use it. Like it just doesn't make sense right now. So 
Mario's uh, one thousand page, <laughs> in, you know, sales tome is is going to be pretty difficult to get. Yeah, there. that wouldn't be accessible. And that's the whole purpose of the book is for people that don't like to read. That's why, yeah. So it's a two hundred like thirty page book or whatever. But if it was written in a traditional book style instead of, I made it for like the Twitter generation, right? Where LinkedIn yeah, yeah. posts are one hundred fifty words, right? So I made it more that style. If it was actually written the way it's like, if it was actually cut down, it would only be about a hundred page book. But because the formatting was written, so it's easy to read and remember, it had to be spread out. So the formatting makes sense when you just pick something up and read it so you can remember it right away. Well, what I thought was cool about that kind of um, condensed or abbreviated format is it's really perfect if you have a group of folks who want to work on these sorts of skills to just pick one of the chapters, you know, read it. It's like a page, right? It's, it's like a page yeah. or a half a page. And then now you can discuss and it, it's just a really nice way to access that. Like you said, you know, even if you're not, you're not going to read five pages, you can read that paragraph or two um, and then discuss. And to me, that's where the real value comes in the discussion and the reflection. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's a good point. It is. Mario's masterclass uh, <laughs> focus groups. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am so excited about your book, your your book release. Tell us, um, you know, for those who are listening, who, who their interest may have been piqued, how do they learn more? How do they get the book? How do they learn more about you? So the easiest is probably Amazon. It's available on all the major books. That's like Barnes and Noble and stuff. But Amazon, Really Care for Them is the name of the book. And yeah, I'm Mario McCracken. So absolutely that's, that's it i'll share mario's uh information is linkedin uh as well as the book linked to amazon there and, and you can google him as well well thanks so much mario I, I i hope we can do this uh again it won't take three years for us to get together <laughs> um again it's it's always a pleasure so much great information and you know just learn so much from you thank you well thanks joe your support is appreciated love to be on the talk with you thank you Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another tasty executive presence morsel.